It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. The idea for what became Outdoor Research was likely conceived of by unkempt mountaineers in a stinky, damp, uncomfortable snow cave in the Alaska Range. But since those days of yore, OR has become an apparel company also dedicated to breezier, sunnier, more, shall we say, aromatic outdoor pursuits like spending a fun day at the crag. With that in mind, the runout invites you to check out OR's cragging collection. Shorts, pants, hoodies, jackets, and more for movement and protection on the rock when the day might involve some gobies and a bit of rain and snow, but is more likely to end up around a campfire or at a local watering hole than over a sputtering stove in a whiteout. So find everything you need for a day at the crag or that soul-scrubbing alpine route at OutdoorResearch.com or use their handy shop locator to find your local retailer. Outdoor Research is a proud sponsor of The Runout. As you all know, climbing is going to be in the Olympics for the first time ever. And the big news in climbing right now is that we have begun to determine who is going to get the honor of being the first group of climbing Olympians. In mid-August, the World Championships took place in Hachioji, Japan. This event represented the first opportunity for climbers to make the cut, as seven men and seven women were selected based on their performance in the combined event. This is Andrew Bisharat. And in this episode, I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Chris Calouse, who just returned from a vacation to northern Wisconsin. Because Chris has been off the grid, foraging for morals and berries in the woods, I wanted to bring him up to speed on what went down at the World Championships. I should probably mention that I got a few things wrong in this podcast. Most importantly, I butchered the pronunciation of just about every foreign climber's name, Special shout out to Rishat K. Bulin, the climber from Kazakhstan, who secured an Olympic spot by winning the speed event. As you'll hear, I was not even close to saying that name correctly. I think I also said that Adam Andra had won the first part of the World Championships, but in fact, he had only won a gold medal in the lead event, and he was second in combined behind Tomoa Narasaki. Anyway, Chris and I certainly had fun talking about this event. We take our temperature on whether either of us is getting a case of Olympic fever yet, and we come up with our own Olympic event idea that might just have more mass appeal, at least among climbers. Hope you enjoy this episode, and please continue to send feedback and tell your friends about our podcast. Without further ado, let the games begin. All right. So on the last show, you had welcomed me back from a trip to Canada. Mm. And on this show, which has also been delayed because I was uh, I was basically in another country, Andrew, Yeah, for a couple of weeks. It, it looked remote. Yeah, it looked remote because we were. I was in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I mean, coming from Colorado, especially over here on the Western Slope, it really is like traveling to another country. Humid. Humid, uh, you know, deciduous forests, but but more, I mean, also culturally, it's a big, big shift. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I would probably, there's probably some European countries which I would find more more similar culturally, at least to 
to specifically Carbondale right. than uh, Northern Wisconsin. Why was I in Northern Wisconsin? Well, that's where I'm from. I was actually born in Green Bay, and my folks have retired back to there. And uh, it's beautiful, and it's just it's just a different scene up there, <laughs> you know. It's it's all. I mean, it's way up north of Green Bay, and it's a national forest. There's actually literally on mountain project there's a boulding bouldering area not far from my parents house i have not i have not visited it doesn't look amazing but also i'm I'm usually there in the buggy time and you definitely don't want to go off into the woods and try does to it boulder. feel like going home or does it feel like no no else? no I, I i haven't lived there no in forever but uh but it's just it's kind of like i don't know it's wild because the outdoor thing is just completely different there mm. you know it's it's four wheelers it's lake boating you know, hunting, fishing, those black, sort of, I hear the blackberries are sweet. Yeah, the blackberries are going off right now, though. So there is blackberry picking at this moment. But the cool thing is, is that there is this subculture there. There's some climbers around. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear from them in Green Bay. There are some cross-country skiers hiding out, you know, amongst the snowmobile culture up there. Mm-hmm. There is a smattering, a tiny bit of cyclists, both mountain biking and road. Which is really strange because the place would be would just be amazing for cycling. Gravel, you know, I know gravel cycling is really big right now. There's like tons of that. There, you know, the road bike touring would probably be super cool. And then there are no trails, but there could be, I mean, it's like rolling hill deciduous forest. Like single track would be amazing up there, but just nobody's pulled the trigger. Um, on on developing any of that stuff up there, so I, I hear the gerrymandering is also beautiful up there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, it's definitely it's just gerrymandering for days. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think anybody escapes that anymore. No, yeah. So anyway, that's where I was. Uh, very remote, a satellite internet which didn't work for shit. No cell service. That sounds so good. Yeah, sort of. So you you basically missed out on the biggest event in climbing this year. I did. You were, in, you were in the woods. I did. Yeah. Other than like seeing, I could just get every once in a while get a tweet mm. uh, to come up on my phone about about it. But uh, but that was about it. But I've caught up a little bit since I since I've returned to the land of the <laughs> of the climbing. Well, I don't know how much you missed, but we're talking about the World Championships today, uh, which took place in Hachioji, Japan, over almost two weeks. It was a big event because it was the f- the first event where we got to determine who would be going to the Olympics. And there were some ups and downs and some surprises that I don't think anyone saw coming. Uh, the big headlines were one that Adamandra did not make it, which I think took everyone by surprise. And also that uh, we got an American into the Olympics with a uh, young Brooke Rabatou. Yeah, which is awesome because there's definitely been mutterings about how it it could have panned out that no American yeah. was going to be in the Olympics at all. Um, there was no guarantee. It wasn't like each country gets somebody no matter what. So um, it's good that the foothold got got uh, got put in there because. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that was definitely a worry, and I think it was probably a worry among people promoting it in the United States. Because if you don't have your athletes in it, it, it can be it can be tricky. But at the same time, I think at least among climbers, it's a very international fan base, you know. And I think that some of these Japanese, uh, especially the Japanese climbers, are as popular as as any of the American climbers are, anyway. As I was researching this show, because I just wanted to be as informed as possible about how people can make it to the Olympics and 
it, it's a conf- somewhat confusing, uh, you know, event, a series of events that take place and how people get determined. But one of the things that was most striking to me was, so each country has a National Olympic Committee, an NOC. These NOCs are somewhat like the Electoral College in that they can just choose whoever they want to uh, go to the Olympics. So while Brooke Rabatou, for example, became uh, secured a spot, she didn't necessarily secure a spot for herself. She simply secured a spot for un-American. Now, one of this uh, National Olympic Committee could, in theory, choose someone that they would think would be a better have a better chance of getting a medal than her. Yes. You know, which would be obviously unfair or seem unfair to the public, but technically that could happen, which I was surprised about. Yeah. That, that would be a terrible, terrible move. I Um, think at this point, they couldn't just choose anyone. Like they couldn't just choose, you know, like you, (laughs) for example, (laughs) we think Chris Kalouz has a better shot in the women's category. (laughs) Um, but so there are some uh, limitations to it. So right. you have to have qualified and placed in the top 20 of of the world championships. So if they replace Brooke with somebody, then I'm out. Yeah. I mean, we'll just burn done. the whole country down. Yeah. Done. Yeah. 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 Um, so the the event was kind of two tiered. There is the world championships, which take place every two years normally. This year was odd because it was actually the the last world championships was last year. So they did one this year to start making the world championships in odd years. So it wouldn't compete with the Olympics going forward. And also they used this as a platform to deter, start off the process of determining who would go. And ultimately they chose seven people, seven men, seven women who would secure a spot for their country. But there were there it was a two so far so far out of what is it 20? 20. 20 so there's right. twenty men twenty women total who are going to get to go do this new combined format okay which is speed uh, boulder and then lead right all in a day and so the world championships this last week was they did their normal thing where they did a lead event over a day they did a boulder event over a day they had qualifiers for both of those they did a speed event over a day. And that determined who the world champion was. After that, they did the Olympic combined format to determine who would go. So all of these athletes have been grinding it out over a week to try to be world champion. Then they had to do this Olympic combined format after that. And and that seemed to play a big role in some people who were doing badly in the first part of it kind of got a second wind and were maybe more recovered or something and did better afterward. Do you know who the world champions were? Adam Andra uh, and um, Yanya Yanya Gron. I I can't, I can never say her name. I think it's Yanya Garn Bray female is just like an amazing client she's like the most dominant right plastic climber of all time yeah i i, I just can't wait till she gets done with this business i know it starts, like, starts destroying things outside but that's a whole nother tangent yeah that's a whole nother tangent well, well we can get to that but let me just finish what i was saying which so once the combined event start kicked off then there was just new you know new energy both positive and negative for all the competitors Andra seemed to kind of do really badly in this 
um, in the combined format. He didn't, he had, was, you know, middle of the road to last in speed. Uh, he didn't do very well in the bouldering event and in the lead event, he got just about as high, if not higher than everyone else, but fell when his foot just randomly slipped. Like it just looked like a force, you know, like an unforced error. And he came down dude. And the look on his face after falling on this route, after having a bad performance in the, both the speed and the boulder, it looked like someone had just told him that his mother had died in a chemical fire. Like it was the most crestfallen expression I've ever seen. And he's just walking off in disbelief. Like, how did this happen to me? And then like 10 minutes later, they're like, Oh, by the way, you stepped on a bolt and you're, so your score isn't like third, it's like 20th. So you're out. Huh? And, um, and so that was like one of the big scuttlebutts of the of the event was did his foot, you know, touch a bolt or step on a bolt or whatever. Did you see that? I footage? saw the picture. It looked like he was at least touching it. Yes. Um, you know, I, I watched it a few times and it's clear that his foot is near the bolt, but it's also clear that he's not using it and in no way did it help him. You know, he was just absolutely dominating this route. Like right. That didn't like get him any higher, I don't think. So I think that's a big problem with this format is if your foot just grazes near a bolt, you can just get disqualified. It just kind of seems like a stupid, like clearly the rule is meant to be if you stand on a bolt hanger to achieve the next hold, that's not allowed. But if you're clearly not using the bolt on purpose, then I think they should let that slide. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, it's like you flag... You know, your your foot is dragging through to to the next foot or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's a it's a difficult determination. I I would I would think, but probably one that could be could be felt out and figured out. I mean, I hope that the judges had better camera angles than that one shot because if they were just going off of that, it seems like they really didn't give him the benefit of the doubt on that because mm-hmm. it was so hard to tell. Right. So I felt like that was. It just seemed like he was getting screwed. A right. Bit. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's like there's not like going to be some nefarious attempt to like get away with using a bolt. Right. To stand up. I mean, none of these competitors would, would do that in good faith or in bad faith. So, uh, yeah, it seems a little strange that grazing past one would, would disqualify you. So had he, I mean, despite the fall that you were talking about, if he hadn't been disqualified from that that heat or that round altogether would he have would he have I think likely so. I qual- think qualified then he, he likely would have gotten in the top seven or eight okay that's still unclear to me yeah it's Is like he, it's like hard to do the math like it's really hard to do the math so basically i watched score, a lot of videos of people explaining it it's really hard yeah. to do. Yeah. So basically the the way that it's the combined formats determined is your fine your place gets multiplied so if you come in first place in all three events, your score is one. If you come in 10th, it's a thousand in all three events, you know? So trying to determine what that is, uh, on the, you know, in the moment, um, and then it, it's just like too much math. So y- you kind of have this like experience of watching this event of like imagine watching football and you never knew what the score was like you wouldn't. And then they revealed it at the end of the game. Right. You know, the Broncos win. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I guess I could have seen that, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's hard to follow along with what's going on, right? But I think one of the big bummers is you know Andre not getting secured a spot that basically sets back the progression of rock climbing for another year or so, or at least another six months, because he's got to train now to for the next event so he can get into the goddamn Olympics, right. which means he's not going to come to Yosemite to like onsite the dawn or like do the dawn wall in a day or something like that. Yeah. But he wouldn't have done that anyway. He might've no, because if he had he's, gone, if he had gotten into the Olympics, he might've come to Yosemite and done the dawn wall in a day next month. I don't know because I thought he was, I, my impression was that it's all Olympics all the time until the Olympics. Well, yeah, but he would, he would have been in a comfy place. He could have sat sure. back. He didn't, he wouldn't have had to do any more comps. Do you he think, could, do you think Adam Andres sits back? <laughs> really? <laughs> Only when he sleeps. Yeah, exactly. And even then, he's probably it's upright. dreaming beta. Right. Yeah. So Squeezing yeah. one of those donuts. <laughs> the old donut. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes through like teddy bears, just shreds them at night. But, uh, like, but that's like my three-year-old. Yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, he would just turn into training for the Olympics, I think. But you're right. Maybe you're right. I think he probably would have taken a break for the okay. rest of the year and right. done some... Done some, like maybe put up in the, the first five, six. Well, when does he get another chance? Well, if he's, he's, uh, so the next event is in Toulouse, France in December. Okay. All right. And so that event will choose the next six. All right. And then there's going to be five people from the continental events, one from each continent. Then there's like basically a wild card spot. So, uh, one person from each gender gets randomly picked from by Ooh, the IOC. That could be me. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, if if Andre doesn't, go if you to get Olympics, into the Olympics, though, you should you should just stand on every bolt hanger and grab all the draws <laughs> and get to the top of the ring, <laughs> and then do the for, hanging from the last from the anchor. Just do the the thing right. They they you know raise their hand and try yeah. to get the crowd yeah, to yeah, cheer at the them. Pause a wobbler. <laughs> If I, but I want to say, if Andre doesn't go to the Olympics, I'm out. Yeah, you it's just out of principle. I'm just not going to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So we had our friend Chris Parker on the show to give us a, you know, rollicking fire up, you know, report on last year's world championships, yes. which he attended. Yes. And he was out in Rifle this last week or two weeks ago. And I was like, dude, are you like psyched on the world championships? Are you watching it? And he's just like, no. <laughs> Yeah, and he was super stoked. He was so stoked. Yeah, but he went. But he was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I, th I think being there is he, he likes the live. Yeah, I mean that was his the, whole thing. Yeah, and so I, I imagine that everything else is a letdown now. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's good that we've never been to one because we might be still be interested. We might be still be interested. Yeah, yeah. So, so where are you now? Are you feeling like w where is, is my it, uh, where is my Olympic fever? Yeah. How hot is it? Um. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Before we talked to Chris, it was fairly non-existent. And then we talked to Chris and I got pretty, I, I actually got into it and I went back and watched some of it on the, uh, you know, on the YouTube there and, and found it to be kind of interesting, although confusing, um, even, even after talking to Chris and then, you know, just kind of like, it's hard to sustain it through all the, Again, like trying to figure out what the hell is going on with how you even get to go and who gets to go. And then all the talk about maybe no Americans going. I was like, I'm not super nationalist, but I was like, ah, I don't know. I mean, so it kind of cooled off. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm running a 98.9. <laughs> 
for the Olympics right now? <laughs> <laughs> like a low grade, like something that Miles would have like once a week all winter? Well, so my feeling about this is that... Although I'm excited. Actually, let me take that back. The fact that, that young Brooke has qualified and is for sure going has knocked me up into the 99s mm-hmm. a little bit. Right. Yeah. Because she seems really cool and compelling and, and that's going to be fun. You should, you're going to put a uh, brick rabbit to posters in your son's bedroom and, and tell him that he's going to be an Olympian one day. Likely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how she, how she does. <laughs> um, you know, my feeling about this is I just think it's such a, I mean, the, the, the selectiveness of who gets to go, the fact that clearly half of the best competition climbers in the world are not going to get to compete because mm-hmm. each country only gets two spots. So, like, basically all the other Japanese climbers are basically kind of fucked because the the two best. Even though they're better than a lot of the Even people. Even though they're, so much, they're yeah, right. so much better than everyone else. Right. They don't get to go. And so... It, the Olympics has this like facade of being, you know, the the, the pinnacle of, the best, of competition, yeah. you know, and so this selectiveness sort of d- diminishes that that sense that this really is a, co- a competition between the best trying to be the best. It's one of these sports that's tricky because it's the bigger sector of the sport are non-competitors, mm-hmm. and I think that if you take a lot of the other sports, especially team sports, you know. It actually, you know, you, you can see it as this pyramid of competition, whether you're a kid, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, that somehow in your imagination leads to this pinnacle. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you're trying to win championships. You're trying to win the state championship, all these sorts of things. You just don't have that in climbing. You have it in comp climbing, but even comp climbing is super diversified. You know, it kind of reminds me of like in the NBA, there's always been these legends of these, these, uh, three-man teams, you know, these like street ball teams that that are in New York and stuff and have these huge tournaments that there's these guys on those teams that that could hang, right, right. or like better than, than... LeBron. Right, right. But that, you know, th- those that's probably mostly bullshit. Right. But in, in the case of like climbing, if you take not just com- competition climbing, but climbing in general, you take someone like Adam Andra, there's definitely great, awesome, amazing maybe top 10 climbers in the world that are having nothing to do with these this thing and mm-hmm. and it's and i know we should we should completely divide in our minds competition climbing outdoor climbing and all that and indoor climbing and outdoor climbing but it's it's hard to do that because it's we haven't we haven't had that paradigm really yet yeah you know and and most of these competitors or not most of them actually anymore but used to be m- most of them or all of them did both i think it's getting less and less now that are, are at least, you know, on a, on a high level outdoors and competing at this high level, but they're still in the game, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's a little bit more, it's a little different in terms of like how you're going to select who's the best. So one, one thought I just had was, you know, in rifle the last couple of weeks while you were gone, there were two separate uh, teams of kids who came out for a week just to like climb outdoors i'm sad i missed that yeah so one of the teams was like i won't name them but one was like the super high-end competitive you're being groomed for olympic greatness one day team right and the other team was just like the local you know (laughs) gym team that 
you know, probably costs like a third of the price as the other team for the parents to enroll their kids in and isn't like very competitive or isn't a big deal. Just the way I get them the hell out of the house. Yeah, exactly. And it was so funny to see the different personalities. Like the the super competitive team was like doing pitches, trying to send roots, no nonsense, like no bullshit. The other team was literally playing in dirt and like building like mud houses and stuff and occasionally climbing not being pushed at all right and so i think that that's like a new uh thing that we're gonna have to you know we're gonna have like olympic parents and olympic dude i i've been i've been like i've been whispering and talking about this for a while yeah and because you want to be an olympic dad no i do not (laughs) and and that's just the thing it's like they're so you know, if you look at the the paradigm of tennis or you look at the paradigm of gymnastics, you know, just to name a couple, it's like the road can get dark and gnarly, mm-hmm. like pretty easily. Yeah. You know, and it's not just all like, yeah, you know, it's learning to compete and work on a team and all these sorts of things. It's like, you know, just read about what goes on in these like camps and these high-end places that you know one scandal after another about kids just getting worked over yeah you know and i i don't know that we're there i i hope not but because i mean it's just like this little wink demonstration sport at this point but if it gets there i mean you know we're gonna have to reconcile what that means yeah um and whether or not it's all good or or not, to be honest with you. Well, we can fight back, but we can start the dirtbag Olympics yeah. or something like that. It's we can a, make dirtbagging competitive. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a it, just like how much money you spend each month and how many pitches of climbing you do. It, the most the most the person who does the most pitches of climbing and spends the least amount of money wins. and then it's like it's like monopoly though you have to draw a card and it's like oh you're the turbo on your right. sprinter went out <laughs> like oh, it's gonna be five thousand dollars you're like ah i'm out what am i gonna do the <laughs> turbo went out do not pass go <laughs> Hashtag sure. Dirtbag Olympics. <laughs> Dirtbag Olympics. This was our idea to trademark <laughs> TM. <laughs> I don't want to find out about this two years from now that somebody else went with this thing without talking to us first. What else What else would be a competition in the Dirtbag Olympics? Dumpster diving, obviously. Yeah, dumpster yeah, diving. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a big yeah, one. Yeah, we can have a culinary uh, a culinary medal. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like who, you know, everybody gets a dumpster and like who can create the best meal <laughs> yeah. out of a Trader Joe's yeah. dumpster. We get like, Padma Lakshmi to come and judge your fucking dirtbag meal. She's like, this is like rancid food. But she has to eat it anyway. Oh, man, man, that's yeah. going to be awesome. And who can climb 5'9 with like the best wig? Yeah. Anyhow, all right. This could just be a, an event that we do. Okay. <laughs> Um, let me. I have a few more questions for you. Um, how are the U.S. men looking? So uh, pretty good, actually. So Brooke was the only female who, a female American who got in the top twenty. Um, but there were two American guys who were in the top twenty: um, Drew Ruana and Nathaniel Coleman. And they did pretty good. They were like middle of the road, and you know, had there been just a few more Japanese people ahead of them, they would have maybe made it too. Um, but now, so now they have the option to get in through Toulouse 
And there's also this one random spot that gets chosen at the end. And what about if, the Continental? So the Continental, they could make it through there too. The so Continental. They, the Continental. <laughs> they could do a breakfast buffet at the Continental. Right, exactly, yeah. totally, yeah. Um, no, so they've got the, the Toulouse event, the Continental event. And then if they don't do either of those, there's one last random shot that they get, which is in addition to the wild card, there's one more spot that gets chosen and it's whoever was had the best uh, qualifications at this event in Hachioji. So whoever's in the top 20 that hasn't already made it and doesn't have a, another country that has already knocked out their okay. spot. So potent, just by the fact that they've made this top 20 is right. significant for that reason. Cool. So they can't, they, the, the IF, IFSC can't just pick anybody. They can't be like, please, Mr. Honnold, come to our Olympics, please. They, Pretty please. Just, no, just come. No. We'll, we'll just give you a spot. No. Nope. Just please come. Hashtag. Honnold's out. He is out. Ugh. Yeah, he's in the Dirtbag Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, he's not, dude. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. That guy does not qualify anymore. There was a time. I feel like Honnold should just give his his uh, Oscar to whoever wins the Dirtbag Olympics, though. Or his van. Does he even use it anymore? Yeah. All right. Give us your van, Honnold. Give us your van. You, we know you don't need it. It comes with a bunk for the cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got to ask you the same question. Where's your Olympic fever well, level at it, the moment? It's not high because I just I don't care. Because it's not a it's not a true competition of all the best in the world, and I think the Olympics are, I, I there's like a nostalgic thing that people get all giddy about, and I just don't understand that. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely rife with corruption these days. But the only reason we're talking about this is because all the best climbers in the world are doing this, yeah. and they're not sending shit that we can talk about outdoors. Right. right, that's true. That's the only reason that we're talking about this. That's true. But I will say this. My fever is high for Mr. Tomo Narasaki, who's the most fluid and graceful climber I've ever seen. So there you go. I think he's just amazing to watch. Yeah, so you're going to watch it. I would wa just watch him. Okay. But you're going to watch the Olympics. I would, I would if there was a two-hour YouTube video of just him climbing boulder problems, I could watch that. There's got to be. There's got to be a super Someone cut. make that. Someone make that me. super cut. But no, let's back this up. You don't, you're saying you don't care at all. I think you do. You, maybe okay i'm I'm calling your bluff <laughs> basically let's just say this are you gonna make time to watch it hell yeah okay yeah i'll watch it yeah yeah it's i mean it's a unique moment right in our sport okay yeah so but i don't want you also just to just uh basically uh negate this entire conversation no, no, either i'm not no yeah. i'm not I'm, I'm being a little cynical yes well, but. really? <laughs> you? No. I, I mean, I, I, I was joking about the fever. I mean, I am up and down with it, but I pay attention. I, yeah. I'm interested. And, yeah. and honestly, the fact that we for sure have Brooke going, um, a Colorado girl mm -hmm. as well, a international but Colorado girl, she, that's great. And, yeah. I, and that like excites me that, that we're going to have this gal that's for sure going to be there representing and um, you know, hopefully do well. Yeah. It's kind of anyone's event. I mean, it, it, the key is to just do really well in one discipline. Right. So. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, we, we didn't mention that, uh, like a speed demon dude. Yeah. The, qualified. Yeah. So. Because we've been talking about the speed thing forever, right? So a speed, uh, he doesn't, apparently he doesn't consider himself a speed specialist, but he, he got his best PR best 
at this event of under six seconds. It was okay. like five something. Right. He's from Kazakhstan. His name is um like Rishat something I can't remember, but it basically reminds me of my last name, Bisharat Kuragbin, which is a band that we listen to. So that's what I'm just going to call him is Bisharat Kuragbin. Um, but that's not his actual name. But yeah, so this Kazakhstani guy qualified he by winning speed and doing pretty well in lead in Boulder. So he, you know, he was like fourth or something. And uh, so I think anybody could actually win this event if they if they win speed then and they do well enough in the other two events then they could win. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been talking to other competitors uh, on the Enormacast and yeah, the speed thing is really interesting because we're our initial our initial instinct was to just blow it off and say it's complete yeah. crap. But then you you know, you start looking at that math equation and like shit. Like it could happen. Like mm-hmm. one of these guys could win the whole game, which whew, that'll be a blow to the at least North American and European interest in the Olympic event. Although I, I understand that it's already talked about uh, getting it out of there for the Paris. Right. So yeah, they, they're, yeah. they're separating it because yeah. it is such a, I, I don't know. I wonder what the deal is with that. I think enough climbers probably just protested. I think from both ends, from I think the, ends. the, the speed specialists are like, you know, you basically just took the Olympics away from us. Yeah. Although, here we are. We may we may see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's make it a date. When is it? 2020? I, all it's I know a, is it's, it's a year. year from today or basically a year from. Yeah. It's next August. Okay. Next yeah. August. Yeah. All right. So we'll be here watching it. We'll be here talking about it. Placing bets. Placing bets. That's right. And uh, hopefully we'll do the dirtbag Olympics between now and then. No, that's going to take some, some, some putting together, but <laughs> it'll be like the, uh, the puppy Super Bowl. What is that thing that they do during the Super Bowl? <laughs> be the halftime show. Yeah, what is that? The puppy Olympic or what is it? The, isn't it like some show or puppies play football? Yeah. I feel like that's happened. Yeah. Like, like the Bud that. Light thing. I don't know. I don't watch the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> We're not big That's sports a thing, fans. right? <laughs> anyway, we'll, it'll be like during the commercial breaks. It'll be the dirtbag Olympics. <laughs> it'll cut to us. <laughs> if you have a comment, topic, suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia. Join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast, or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com.